For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Check out our great selection of garage and utility lighting options in stock, ready to take home today. We carry everything to help you illuminate whatever project you're working on. Shop garage and utility lighting products in store at your nearest Menards. You can also view all of our entire selection of lighting options today on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. I am super excited to be joined by Antonio Menendez. Oh, I just butchered that. Menendez? No, I was good. No, I was, I was good. good. Oh, right. Menendez. Uh, how's it going, brother? I'm doing great. How are you? Man, I can't complain. It's actually a really nice day. It's probably a lot cooler than it is there in Arizona. But uh, how how is the fall? Like, how, how, is, how have you enjoyed that experience? It's been awesome so far. I mean, just being around a bunch of really good players every single day, um, you know, just getting to experience. This is my first time being over here in Arizona, so getting to experience the area experiencing the weather, um, just being around the environment. It's been cool. It's been something that I don't really know how to explain. It's almost as if it's like summer college ball, but like at a 10 times more elite level. Yeah. So it's been a fun experience. Yeah. Speaking of like the talent and stuff, like obviously there's incredible talent. Has there been anyone who's like stood out to you or you're just looking at them maybe on your team or a different team where you're just like, dang, like <laughs> that dude's just elite. Yeah. I mean, you know, you hear it's funny because they have their their special guys that they post about all the time on social media because yep. they're top prospects. But there's some guys that are kind of under the radar that really, really surprised me um, just with their day to day skills. Like uh, Victor Mason Jr. is really, really good. He plays for the Marlins. Yeah. Um, of course, Jason Dominguez is good. Um, we have a lot of pitchers that are relievers that you know aren't even prospects for their individual organizations, but come out here and really show out yeah um, we have a couple guys from the cubs that have just been electric and it's pretty cool to watch so of course you have the big names you play against guys you play against heston kerstaff from orioles yeah. and every time he gets a base hit you know you see it on twitter and we make jokes about how certain guys you know kumar rocker every time he goes out there whether he gives up 10 runs in one inning or strikes out the side every you know they're gonna post about it so it's more to it's a little bit cooler to see the guys who are under the radar who uh, are having success out here. Yeah, and like speaking of like guys under the radar, like Evan uh, Re Reifert, no, Reifert. Yeah, yeah, Evan yeah. Reifert. Uh, so like he's been on on the pod twice, and I still continue to butcher butcher his his last name. But uh, yeah, he's a good friend. Been on the pod twice. Uh, really good guy. Underrated. Wasn't drafted, but that's because of COVID. He would have been drafted otherwise. But uh, yeah. I mean, he's is he uh, he he's on your team and stuff like that. How's he doing? Yeah, he is doing incredible. He hasn't given up a hit yet. Dang. He's the only person in the fall league who hasn't given up a hit. Okay, shout out, um, Evan. I see you. Yeah, Evan's killing it right now. And he's just, he's actually my roommate here. He's a great guy. It's its fun to be around. It's fun to learn from him every single day. You know, he's been in pro ball a little bit longer than I have. So get to pick someone's brain, you know, whenever I have any questions. Yeah, and he's a good guy. Uh, how is he for a roommate? Like, do you have any, any funny? Oh, he's awesome. It's funny. He, uh, yeah, he uh, he sets up his Nintendo Switch in the um, in the living room, and sometimes I'll come home or like come out of my room, and he's out there playing Mario Kart by himself, or uh, 
you know, Nintendo golf or whatever it's called. And he, he's always having a blast on his switch, which yeah. is pretty funny. No, Evan's a good guy. Like, and I'm, I'm glad he's doing well out there. And like I said, guys who are under the radar, it's cool. Like, I mean, um, I read the story about you. It's kind of interesting. Um, and you, you have uh, it was written a couple weeks ago, mate, or a couple of days ago, I think. Uh, yeah. Three different arm slots or something like that. Did you see that article about you? Yep, I did. Yeah, yeah. That was my first. Uh, I, I would say my first official interview I've ever had. That was the first time someone yeah. felt like knew knew who I was. You okay. know, it was kind of cool to have an interview for the first time. That's sick. So, like, when did that whole three different arm slots come around? Or is is you have three different arm slots, and he says you can change it like. Uh, depending on the count, the batter, like, like what is all that, yeah. all that about? Yeah. So I throw from three different arm slots. I have a traditional over the top arm slot, a sidearm arm slot and a submarine arm slot. And I started to develop that when I was about 13 years old. Um, I would just kind of drop down sidearm for fun. Okay. And uh, I'm trying to think exactly how old I was. I think I was 14. Uh, Billy Wagner, the famous closer was my coach. I played with his son is actually out here. And, um, he was like, Hey, you're good at that. Like I would do it once a game and all the, all the parents would be like, Oh, you know, yeah. they freak out. And, um, you know, they would, they would say that I'm cheating or something. And then I was like, well, that's pretty cool. I like that reaction. Yeah. So I would do it. And then he said that I was pretty good at it. He's like, you should, um, continue to do that. You know, you should add, add to your arsenal and, and just kind of that slowly developed into what I do now with all three arm slots and throwing different pitches from each of them. And, um, I know that the batters say that it's a really uncomfortable experience and that's kind of my goal. And that's what makes me unique is, you know, I don't throw a hundred miles an hour, but hopefully yeah. I make the batters very uncomfortable. Do you, so you would switch it up, like even with the same batter, you may go over, over the top and that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My favorite is when I get a nice, like three pitch strikeout, I start from one arm slot, I'll go to the second arm slot and I'll go to the submarine arm slot. One, two, three. It's. It, that's when it's really satisfying is when I throw all three of them at somebody. So you can do a one, two, three different arm slots and just strike someone out. Like I'd, yeah. I'd, I'd be so mad if I was a batter facing you. I'd be like, what is it? What is going on? I might, my parents would call you. They'd be like, Hey, you're cheating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I got that a lot when I was younger. Dang. That's crazy. Okay. Um, so like, let's get into your high school career and stuff like that growing up. Like when did you start playing? Uh, cause you were an outfielder too, right? Like you were in the outfield yep. and pitching. Like when did you strictly, uh, decide like I'm going to be strictly pitching? Well, I actually did make that decision and I actually, part of me is still mad about it because <laughs> I kind of wish I was still a position player. Um, so you want to be the next, a, you want to be like Shohei. You want to be, you want to be bad. I don't know if it. I could do that. <laughs> I don't know if I could do that. And especially now seeing how good these pitchers are. Yeah. I don't know if I would have made it, but. Um, I was a two way all the way through high school. Um, my senior year in high school, I had a bone spur in my elbow and oh. I had that r removed. And yeah. because of that, I still wanted to play my senior season. So I just DH the whole time. And, um, once that senior season of high school was over, I was already committed to wake forest and I was supposed to two way at wake forest. I get to wake, uh, for some reason, nobody tells my coach that I had elbow surgery. So I hadn't picked up a bat in I don't know, four months. And I get to school and I'm cleared to go hit batting practice day one. And uh, it was horrible. I didn't, <laughs> I won, I don't think I put a ball out of the infield. Jeez. I was fouling off pitches. I was swinging and missing. And uh, he calls me aside after the first practice and it's like, Hey, um, I think you're just going to pitch here. And I was like, yes, sir. I guess I'm just pitching. 
And it's funny because two years later, he comes up to me and, and makes a joke about it. Like, oh, haha, remember when you used to try and hit? And I brought up, I was like, yeah, but remember how I had elbow surgery? Like, you know, maybe you would have a thought that maybe I just struggled for my first time hitting. And he was like, oh, nobody ever told me that uh, you had elbows. So, yeah, I got screwed out of hitting um, because nobody told my coach that I had surgery. So long story short, yeah. I got I got screwed out of my Shohei Otani possibilities. Yeah, we, you could have been the Rays Shohei. That's crazy. Um, yep. And like, it's crazy because like, I know guys who have come on the pod and they're like, yeah, I was going to be a two-way. And, and as soon as they get to uh, college, they're like, no. They just, they just told them that so they can kind of recruit them and stuff. At least your coach yeah. gave you an opportunity to like see what you can do. I mean, you, you he's probably looking at you like, this guy was a, a DH in high school. Like, he can't get out of the infield. But, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it was, it was frustrating. Like, I remember... I was super stressed out because it was my first time picking up a bat. I'm the freshman who doesn't want to say anything, doesn't want to sound, you know, weak or yeah. make complaints. So I just go out there and do it. And everyone's putting on a show. We have Bobby Seymour, who's with the Rays, of course. He's putting on a show and BP as a freshman. And I'm out there just swinging and missing and batting practice. And, you know, of course, that didn't set a good a good tone early. Yeah. Well, hey, um, I, I don't want I'm not really a stats guy. I say that all the time. But like I was looking at your some of your I couldn't really find a lot of your, your high school stats. But I saw that in as a sophomore, you're seven and no. Like, did you ever like yeah. you didn't even lose as a sophomore pitching? You're just like, no, I'm not about that life. <laughs> yeah, I, I enjoyed starting and, and winning. You know, I, I, that's that's a question that I think I'll, I'll give you a good question is sure. if I should start or relieve, you know, going in, into the future and what the Rays want to do with me. And I love starting because for that reason alone, I love winning games. Like I love having control over the outcome of a game as mm -hmm. much as possible. When you're coming out of the pen, you can save a game. Of course, you can save a key situation or you can kind of hold whatever's happened yeah. with the starter. But as a starter, you have the ability to go six, seven, eight innings and truly dictate the outcome of a game. And I think that's pretty cool. That's pretty fun. And that's why everybody highlights the starting pitchers. You know, yeah. you have those relief guys that, aren't closers that are the Evan Reiferts of the world that are the me of the world that go out there and they actually throw the most key outs of a game, but nobody really cares. Mm -hmm. So that's part of why I want to start. And I actually, they actually had that conversation with me before my season even started oh, was, okay. Hey, this year um, you're going to have a limitation because of Tommy John it's three innings and 55 pitches. And next year at spring training, you know, of course, depending on how your season goes, we'll reevaluate what, what we want you to do, whether that's start, relieve, whatever. Um, I do imagine that they're going to keep me in the reliever role since I've had some success so far this year. But like I said, I do enjoy starting. And if I magically get a starting role somewhere and get to pitch in the big leagues as a starter, I will have no complaints. Yeah. And so like also like coming out of the bullpen, like you're I mean, as a starter, you have your routine, you know, when you're going to pitch. You know, you got four days rest and you're going to be on that fifth day. That's your thing. Um, as a reliever, you never know when when you're going to go into a game. And that's kind of cool, too. I, I've, I've had guys tell me, like, they kind of like that because they can go in more games uh, and they don't have to wait, you know, four or five days to pitch and stuff like that. But, like, every everyone's different. And, like, I mean, you kind of sold me on the on the starting job. Like, I mean, that's that'd be sick, you know, because you can control that that environment. Like, you have the whole game. Like, it's it's up to you whether, like, the team – or you play a big part, I should say, in what, whether a team's winning or losing. But, uh, yeah, man. But those those relievers are important. Like, it's, I mean, you can be that next Edwin Diaz, a little trumpet's coming out of the, in the sea, running out there in a, in a, at the race yeah. stadium. That's the dream is, I mean, I would love to 
be a big league closer. I think that would be sweet. Um, I don't, if I envision myself in the big leagues, I actually don't see myself in that role simply because I think I add more value not being limited to the ninth inning. Sure. I think people like Edwin Diaz who throw a hundred miles an hour and are electric like that are fit for a closer role. I mean, typically you see the closers out there like Chapman and Diaz. They just go out there and throw fuel by people for one inning. Um, I think because of all of the different pitches in my arsenal, I have the ability to go multiple innings and also match up well in key situations. So it seems like every time I pitch, you know, in my career out of the pen, it's like, oh my gosh, bases loaded, one out, something, you know, we're calling to the bullpen. Yeah. I got to figure out how to get out of the inning. And and that's that's what I really enjoy out of the pen. I love coming in in high, high leverage situations, whether that's closing a game or not, having runners on base and, and, you know, trying to back my teammate up. Cause I know as a starter, the worst feeling in the world is getting pulled with runners on base mm. because all you're sitting there thinking about is those are my runs out there. And now it's in, it's not in my hands anymore. It's in the guy out there's hands. Yeah. And I love being able to get out of those innings and, and kind of, you can see like the sigh of relief on the starter's face when he hugs you yeah. when the inning ends and you get out of it. So that's all part of relieving that. I think most people don't, necessarily recognize as a fan like that stuff is is really cool um to experience yeah and you can even see here in the majors when like the starting pitcher is kind of just like watching like okay and then like as soon as like even in the playoffs like i've seen it like so many times like there's they're one of the more excited people because like you know like their runs that the that left on base didn't score so that's pretty cool how do you get yourself yeah. hyped up like what do you do to get yourself are you like a, a smelling sauce guy uh pre-workout <laughs> what do yeah, you do so I don't know if you've seen the video, but I actually blew up in college on, I was on ESPN and Barstool Sports and really? everything for my warm-up routine. So I didn't, that's, that's on me uh, for not doing a good enough research. Holy cow. Like, yeah. I didn't even see that. Yeah, I was, I kind of blew up. I have a, a video on my Instagram. Uh, it's got like, I don't know, a couple, like thousands of views just on my Instagram. The actual videos on SportsCenter and stuff have millions, of course. Jeez. And unfortunately through this whole thing i only gained like 10 followers so that i was pissed about <laughs> yeah that. that's something I, I you would think you'd get a couple hundred at least like you know but no wow no no i got screwed but i was actually telling the story to Ryford because Ryford didn't even know this story um so i'll i'll give you the, the long-winded story about my routine yeah it's actually a big part of me and my like brand now um my freshman year i had never given up a home run in my life in any situation, I've never given up a homer. The first pitch of my college career, I gave up a homer. Wait, in high school, and you never gave up a homer? Never. Wow. Travel ball, nothing. Never That's gave crazy. up a homer. Get to college. Some, I, the problem was is I actually told my team, like, hey, I'd never given up a homer in my life. <laughs> and, of course, you know, no. they're waiting for it. And opening day as a freshman, I go out there to pitch. And the first pitch of my college career, the hitter had never hit a homer in his life. <laughs> And he, we play at Wake Forest, which is the tiniest ballpark you play in the country. Mm-hmm. The guy hits it 272 feet down the line. Wow. And it goes right over the corner. And uh, basically, I never heard the end of that <laughs> for the entire freshman season. And because of that, I just lost confidence in throwing the ball over the plate. So that's why if you see my freshman stats, I had like, 13 or 14 Ks per nine, but I also had like 14 walks per nine. And then that's strictly because I was so scared of giving up a home run again. And um, so anyway, going into that summer, a kid was taking pre-workout uh, before he's going into pitch. 
And he was like, yeah, it gets me fired up. It gets me focused. And I was like, you know what? I need to change something up. I need some confidence going out there. Let me try that. So I started taking pre-workout. That happened in summer ball going into my sophomore year. I get to college in my sophomore year. They call it under the pen against Virginia Tech. And they're like, well, basically, we're standing in the dugout. We don't, we don't sit in the pen awake. They just The coach just turns his head and says, hey, get so-and-so hot. And I was the guy that year, my sophomore year. I almost led the country in appearances. I think I was second. I saw that. And it was, hey, Tony, you have 30 seconds to get hot. You're in the game. <laughs> like, that was the type of situation every time I was called upon. Yeah. So I'm sprinting down to the bullpen. I have to get my pre-workout in my water bottle. You know, and I just chug it as fast as humanly possible. And I'm just so amped up that I spike the water bottle into the ground. The water bottle flies up into the air and lands into the trash can. What? And everybody goes silent for a second and then just starts cheering. And I went out there and I think I threw like, you know, whatever, three shutout or whatever it was. And from then on, I was, that was what I had to do. So now every time I pitch, I get pre-workout in a bottle. I chuck my pre-workout, I spike it into the ground, and that's what kind of gets me going uh, before I get into the game. And and it made it into the trash can. Like, if you go out there and you yes. don't perform after that, like, that's <laughs> so anticlimactic. Like, good thing you went out there yeah. and, and shoved. Yeah, and it's funny because – so the, the first time it happened was early on in the season. The Virginia Tech one is the one that, that went viral. For whatever reason, the camera was on me warming up in the bullpen, probably because they saw me sporadically sprint down there yeah. to warm up. And you see our bullpen coach, uh, it's very subtle, but in the video, you can see him like t- like telling someone like, hey, watch this. And he points to, like at me like, hey, watch this. And I spiked the Gatorade bottle and the announcers are like, whoa, well, you know, whoa, what was that? And next thing you know, it, I, I get the video, I post it on my Instagram and somehow it's on ESPN and, you know, whatever, all these different accounts and it just blew up. You went viral and like, and again, yeah, you got like 10 followers from it, but like, whatever, like we'll try yeah. to, we'll try to recreate it. Like you guys, what you got to do in the Arizona fall league, you got to strike out one of these big guys. And then on your way back to the dugout, like just spike something. I don't know your glove. See what happens. Yeah. yeah I need to do something to go viral again. It's so hard now. Oh, it's actually so it's, easy. Oh, nowadays, it's pretty but... easy nowadays, but there's so many, it's also saturated. So it's like, you got to do something that stands out. Like, yeah. Yeah, and there's a fine line of like good and bad publicity, especially with someone with, you know mm-hmm. who doesn't have a big name. Jason Dominguez, you know, steps on the yard and he's, yeah. he goes viral. But yeah. me, I got to do something kind of drastic. Maybe a glove flip. Something. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we had. A, I guess our closer in AAA does a backflip every time he gets a save. So that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah, like maybe do a cartwheel. Um, I'm trying to think, I don't know what, what you can do to give go viral as, a, as, a, as a, I mean, sure you could do something, but like maybe just stare down, maybe just, uh, I don't know, man, like <laughs> do the sword, yeah. like the, the, uh, Trevor Bauer, the Bauer like, sword. sword. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Well, what, what the, yeah. I'll have to brainstorm. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll see what I can find out. Maybe, maybe come up with a couple ideas to help you get, go viral. Um, and all, all you gotta do is just give me some credit for it. And that's all I asked for. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah. When, whenever the video goes viral, I'll just tag you and yeah. then you'll get some That's some what's followers. up. Maybe I'll get, maybe I'll get 10. We'll see who gets more. <laughs> Probably you. <laughs> you never know. You never know. Um, so, uh, in high school and stuff, you were the 13th prospect in, in, uh, from Virginia, um, I'm sure there's probably some hype surrounding you and, you know, in your area and stuff like that. Like, um, what advice do you have for like maybe high school players, 
um, or even other players who uh, just kind of like who maybe have that hype or maybe not even have the hype, but just maybe some advice for like younger players looking to get into baseball? Yeah, I mean, I was ranked the 13th prospect, but I couldn't tell you that there was necessarily like hype around me. I'm sure in my district and, you know, they knew I was a very good player. Um, but early on, I mean, my entire baseball career, I'd always had coaches and older people and, you know, scouts or whatever you want to call them, tell me that I'm not good enough to make it. So I was one of those kids who was never good enough. And I just kept fighting and clawing and battling to try and get to the next, you know, the next level. Um, so for high school players, one, play every game, you know, like it's in your backyard, because that's when you're going to play the best. So whether you're at a perfect game tournament, I know that that's where like all, you know, all the scouts are going to be there and you want to go to college and you want, and the big thing that I hear a lot is I want to go D1, of course, and just play like it's in your backyard. Because the biggest thing is you never know which game some, everyone, everyone's watching all the time, but you never know which game is going to be the game that really matters. For me, I can tell you my story as to why and how I got all of my college offers. I got over 35 college offers within seven days. Wow. And all of that was from, went from, I am not going to play college baseball to, oh my gosh, like I can go almost anywhere I want. And it's not like I throw hundred miles an hour. I'm a weird, funky sidearm guy who can hit a little bit. And that's how I got to college. And I was at a perfect game tournament and everyone was there to watch another kid play. So not a single one was at that game to watch me pitch or, and no one even knew I was going to pitch. They were, they were there for a really good friend of mine, Brian Morell, who's a really top prospect out of the Northeast from New York. He had offers, you know, from every, you know, college you can imagine the Vanderbilts, the everything. And he's pitching of course, and he throws 93 miles an hour as a high school sophomore and everybody loves him. So he's starting and I come out of the pen after he's done pitching. So there's a hundred scouts there and lo and behold, you know, they're not there to see me, but they might as well stick around. So I throw and I, I guess threw really well. And I just played as if it was any other normal game. I didn't pitch to get, uh, you know, a college offer. I just pitched because I enjoyed pitching and I love pitching. And next thing you know, I'm walking back to the car and I get like three, I get handed like three um, little index cards with like, you know, their numbers on it to call. And then my college, my coach, all of a sudden he's getting calls left and right. Like, Hey, you need to call this coach. You need to call this coach. Wow. And by the end of that week, I had like 35 college offers. And, you know, I just started to have to say like no to people. As soon as they said this college name, I was like, no, sorry. I, I don't care what you offer me. I, I have to say no. I have too many to like even comprehend. Um, so, and that's not, that does not speak at all to my talent. Like I wasn't some freak talent. I just, you know, went out there and maybe seemed a little projectable, was a tall, lanky kid that didn't even throw that hard. And next thing you know, I was in the right place at the right time. Wow. So college, high school kids just play every game as if, you're in your backyard. You never know when you're going to be in the right spot. That's insane. So zero to 35 in, <laughs> in the span of a week. Yeah. Uh, what, yeah. What were some of the colleges? Like what were some of the good ones that you were maybe considering before you went to uh, um, Wake Forest? Yeah. So my top five was Wake Forest, of course. My second place that I would I ended up like battling between was uh, Texas Christian University. 
So Wake, TCU, Miami, Florida State, UVA, uh, Penn State. I had a full ride to like five other schools. That no I big deal. Better. Just like legit D1 schools. <laughs> yeah. And, and that was the thing is the heart, the biggest, I wanted to go to a school with a good education. Yeah. That was my priority. So um, that was a big factor. So some schools with, you know, not as prestigious of educations may have given me a literal full ride begging me to come that have big names. And I just, I, I felt like I wasn't doing my family justice and, you know, and myself justice because I could have Tommy John and or shoulder surgery. You never know your career could be over. So I made the decision to prioritize my education. Of course, actually wanting to play. Like if they, if, if I was going to go to a Miami, no offense to Miami players, but they recruit 20 guys a year and cut half of them. And then some of them never play. And I didn't want to take that risk. So, you know, weighing my options, I wanted to go to a school that I knew I was going to play. I felt like I trusted the coach um, and a great education. And that's where Wake ended up coming on top. And of course, financially. So I had to weigh the, the actual offers themselves. And I didn't want to put my family in financial debt if yeah. I didn't have to. So I had to weigh all of those options um, and, and Wake ended up being the one on top. That's awesome. And does, so does Virginia look at you or Virginia Tech look at you now as like, man, he's the one who got away. Like our hometown guy. I hope so. I hope so. Um, Virginia Tech did contact me and that was kind of during the span of just mayhem of getting calls. Yeah. Um, Virginia was my dream school forever. And it's funny because I'm a little bit bitter to UVA because they, the experience with getting an offer from them and was kind of, it was very informal. They said they liked me, but they didn't really ever do anything to show it, to show it. And um, their pitching coach at the time, coach Carl Kuhn was known to be very militaristic and, and O'Connor in general with UVA. They're very military mm -hmm. with how they do their work there, which is fine. Um, but the thing that drew me off of UVA is their pitching coach he likes to what I would call pigeonhole pitchers into throwing in with certain mechanics. Every UVA pitcher that you've seen, they have this squat. Um, Andrew Abbott is a big prospect right now from you who went to UVA who still does the squat and the pitch. And I'm, I throw from three arm slots, you know, I'm the weirdest pitcher you're ever going to see. Yeah. I felt like I wasn't going to fit into a, a culture and a pitching environment where that says, Hey, you have to pitch like this. So that drew me off of UVA a little bit, um, gotcha. even though it was my dream school growing yeah. up. Yeah, like they have a really good program. But how was that? How was it at Wake? Like, what was that experience pitching there? Because I mean, obviously, it's a good school. How was like just the overall environment? So the school itself, I can't say anything negative about. I absolutely loved the education that I received. I I was in the business school there, so I you have to apply after your uh, halfway through your sophomore year, you apply to the business school. Hmm. You know, thousands of the kids apply and they only select a couple hundred people every year and i went to wake to go to the business school like I, if i didn't get into the business school i would have been very disappointed not necessarily with picking wake forest but like i might as well have just gone to a different you know another yeah. school with maybe better partying or better football or whatever um so i got to the business school and because of the degree that i received in business school as a finance major that made everything worth it i met sure. some incredible people in the school people that go to Wake Forest are people that you want to stay in contact with the rest of your life. Um, so that was really cool. 
I liked that the campus was small. Everything was really close together. You walk everywhere. The campus is beautiful and in and of itself, the facilities, including the baseball facilities are absolute top tier, better than pro facilities, to be honest with you. And so all of that was incredible. Um, my baseball experience was good. I, I think college baseball for anybody is going to have its ups and downs. There's so many new experiences that you encounter. There's a lot of ups and downs of successes and failures. There's a lot of maturing. You're at an age where, you know, it's a lot of new things are thrown at you yeah. and you're by yourself. So I've never truly met outside of a handful of people that I've talked to that have played college baseball that can just straight up say, I absolutely loved every second of every day in college because that's just not as, as an athlete, because yeah. you're battling so many different things with, you know, trying to get good grades, trying to be successful in the baseball field and just not having enough hours mm -hmm. of the day to do both of those things and have some sort of a social life. So college athletics is no joke in my opinion, especially for someone who was staying up till two in the morning studying every day. Yeah. That's that's but like how, how was the team? Like yeah, I mean you have a couple of good guys who got drafted. Like I think you said the Royals prospect, oh, yeah. I think he's their number two prospect or something like that. Um like how was the actual team? Did you guys do pretty well and like uh like what was that environment like? Yeah, so our, our teammates were awesome. I played against I played with just amazing players. Half of them were my roommates. We had a, a suite with uh, eight players. I, all of them, but one, or sorry, six of the eight played professional baseball oh, or, or are still playing professional yeah. baseball. Um, one of them is in AAA. It's like the top prospect for the Braves right now, Jared Schuster. Another one, Ryan Cusick here on my team, top prospect for the A's. Bobby Seymour with the Rays. I mean, we had unbelievable talent every single year. Um, we had three first round picks in my four years there, all that's, pitchers. That's crazy. So yeah, we had some talent and it saddens me to say that we weren't as successful as we wanted to be as a team. Yeah. And I don't know if that's, it clearly wasn't talent. You ask anybody in the ACC, whenever they played us, they're like on paper, your team was the best team by far. We had, I mean, you see the names on that team and you're like, wow, yeah. they should win everything. And for whatever reason, we just could never get it to click um, on all cylinders. Like one year we would hit, we like led the country in homers. And then the next year we couldn't hit at all, but we, we threw lights out. We had guys throw every guy throwing 97 miles an hour. So it was this weird up and down of never finding that true rhythm as a team. Wow. Um, so what was maybe one school that like you love to pitch against? Maybe it was Virginia. Um <laughs> For you know, just not for not being the team that the, the school that you went to, or maybe another team. Maybe the fans were extra cocky. Some ACC teams are pretty like pretty good. Like what was one oh, yeah. team you just love to shove against? Two teams: UVA, simply because of the story I yep. told you, and two was Duke. So my girlfriend goes to, or went to Duke, uh, so that was always cool because she got to you know she knew all the Duke people, and I kind of felt like oh like because they might know her, I have to pitch well. That's true. But That's secondarily. True. I'm not going to lie in college. I was a big chirper in the dugout. Nice. I love to get under people's skin and fire people up. And along with all my shenanigans with, you know, throwing the Gatorade and all that stuff, like teams hated me because I was, I was the guy that one was always throwing in high leverage situations, but two, I loved getting under people's skin. I don't do it anymore, but it was, it's a very college thing to do when you're in the dugout and you know, you're just typically you're just yelling, obnoxious things 
with your team. You're not yelling directly at people, but yeah. sometimes that does happen. Yeah. Uh, and Coach Pollard at Duke, there was time. There was a specific time we we're playing at Duke <laughs> where he got out of the dugout and just was yelling at me specifically, <laughs> like telling me you know, whatever. I don't know what he was saying, but he was yelling specifically at me while the game's going on. And the umpire had to get him back into the dugout because I had fired him up so much by just yelling stuff from our dugout. That's so sick. And yeah, I fired like, and it was funny because our um, equipment coordinator, I guess all the equipment coordinators talk. Mm -hmm. And after that series, a week later, he's my equipment coordinator comes up to me and is like, Hey, they are still talking about you at Duke about how much they hate you. So you're a legend at Uh, Duke, but for negative reasons. I'd like to think so. We, so we walked them off one game and we all had beef jerky sticks and our rally thing cry that I randomly came up with was that we were waving beef jerky sticks in the air. And when we walked them off, everyone threw the beef jerky sticks in the air That's so. and the, the coach at third base got pummeled with beef jerky sticks. And I don't know if people were doing that on purpose or if it just happened to be that way, but it was hilarious when it happened. He was not happy about it. I apologize if he ever sees this podcast. We didn't mean to do that, but that made, you know, that added to the lore. Okay. Well, so yeah. you were, so you're kind of like the dream on green of like your, your school, just kind of chirping a little bit and. Yeah, in college, I would say so. I probably had that reputation. Once you get into pro ball, it's a little yeah, bit more yeah. uh, more professional for sure. But in college, when you have, I would we always felt like Duke was our rival with baseball, but Duke never felt like we were their rival. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. because Duke always Duke and UNC always had their thing. But so that's why we were a little extra chippy whenever we went to go play Duke because they kind of just felt like they were better than us, you know. Did you ever throw it throw at anybody like or have get involved in like a benching? Because I feel like you know with that kind of chirpiness, like eventually something's gonna happen. Yeah, no, I never, I would never, and still haven't hit anybody uh, on purpose. I hit people all the time, unfortunately, <laughs> but uh, on purpose, I've never hit anybody. I always hit them with you know some soft slider that nicks them on the elbow, and they get to go to first base, but. No, I've never hit anybody on purpose. I, I kind of draw the line at stuff like that, um, just because I don't want to be the cause of like anybody getting hurt or anything like that. Like, I, I, I do that type of stuff and did that stuff in college, honestly, as a way to get myself fired up and sure. focused, and two, to try and give any advantage to my team as possible. Because I knew that if a hitter was in the box and, you know, I struck him out and I did a nice big K strut, you know people would see that yeah. and that kid hopefully would not be as confident in his next at bat and that would give my advantage. So that's why I felt like as a leader, I guess on my team, I had to do whatever necessary to give our team a competitive advantage. And if somehow making a poor kid feel a little less confident yeah. at the plate, that's what I'm going to do. So that's, that, that was my mentality. Plus you have the three different arm slots and like, Man, you must have been just like a terror to be to face in 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 college and stuff. I hope so. That's the goal. <laughs> yeah, and then moving forward too. Moving forward too. How was college game days and stuff like that? Like, I mean, obviously, like I said it's ACC, so I mean, it's you know the the environment's big. Um, like the, your team wasn't like maybe ranked or anything like that, but like I mean, I think they went to a couple bowl games when you were there. Um, like, how was the whole like tailgating college experience like that? Yeah, it was fun. I mean, we had a good time. The thing with Wake is that it's a small school, so there's only 
5,000 people at Wake. So you go to Clemson. I went to a football game at Virginia Tech with one of my best friends growing up. And that place is insane for yeah. college. Like I never – I went to just Wake Forest games, and I thought those were fun. I went there, and I was like, this is a whole new level of football. Yeah. Um, but we always had a good time, and especially if we are playing a big team, you know, Clemson, whatever – the stands would be filled with their fans as much as our fans. So um, it was cool. And it's something that I definitely will never forget. But I think it's one of those things when you make a decision of like what school you go to, I'm sure if you go to an Alabama, like the football presence is going to be a lot more impactful on your college experience than if you are at a Wake Forest. That's true. And, and Wake Forest is successful. It's just honestly just the size of the school that – unfortunately doesn't promote 50,000 mm -hmm. people to show up to a football game. That's fair. That's a fair point. So let's talk about draft day. Like when did you kind of know that you were going to get drafted? When was that moment where you went to like, you were telling yourself if I get drafted or if I do this and start telling yourself like when I get drafted and you kind of were confident in that whole thing happening. I'll be honest. I didn't think I was getting drafted period. <laughs> um, I missed 2020 because of COVID just like everybody. Yeah. I, Blew up my UCL the week before my season started as a senior. Oh, you had to get time and time. I thought, I, yeah, yeah, I thought I was done. I didn't pitch for basically two years, and I'm banking on a team to pick me. And as as talented as I believed myself to be, and ready to play professional baseball, um, you know, it's baseball is a it's a business, mm -hmm. and it's the risk reward of paying someone in the draft for someone who hasn't pitched in two years. So. I knew I had the talent. I just didn't know if a team would believe in me. Sure. And clearly the Rays did. Uh, and funny thing is, I mean, I got calls during the draft. You know, I assumed it was going to be later because of my situation. The team that picked me up was going to have to rehab the back half of my Tommy John anyway, which is a liability. They didn't even know if the Tommy John was successful yet. So there's a lot of liabilities going into this um, financial decision for a team. And... I was getting some calls for late rounds, which is what I expected. Um, and my agent and I set a number and we went with that because we felt like even though in my situation, that's what, that's what I was worth. And I was just sitting there watching the draft and, you know, I was hoping for the best mm -hmm. and honest, and I didn't even get a call. My name just popped up on the draft board. Oh. My agent didn't get a call. I didn't get a call. And all of a sudden the Rays drafted me and I, I think my experience with getting drafted is I wouldn't say unique to me, but unique to most situations mm -hmm. is I wasn't excited. I had like a sigh of relief sure. because I just wanted to play baseball. Like I, and that's how I feel right now with being in the fall league. Like I want to pitch every game. I mm -hmm. just want to play baseball. When you have Tommy John and you're out with COVID and Tommy John, like you miss out on so much just playing the game that you love that I just wanted an opportunity. They could have, I mean, I'm glad I got to sign for the money that I did because that financially it helps it sucks being a minor yeah, player yeah, and getting I, paid, yeah, I know. but I just wanted an opportunity. You could have said, I'm going to give you a happy meal and a plane ticket and you're flying out and you're playing baseball. I'm doing it. And the race clearly saw something in me that, you know, they believed to be possibly successful mm -hmm. and, and they gave me a shot. So I, I'm ever grateful raise organization for doing that. Yeah. And that's awesome. And the Rays, they love their pitching. They love their relievers. Like that's kind of something they like really have developed. Like they develop a lot of talent, like pitching wise. And you see that 
um like every season like even guys you know never hear of you're like oh who's this guy and like okay they're just a stud with the, <laughs> with the rays yeah. and their pitching <laughs> development and stuff like that um that's pretty sick yeah. so uh, how was your experience we'll kind of end on this like how was your experience in the minors obviously you did one year there um like what was what was all that like yeah it's been hectic i i would say in one word because i missed the first third maybe more of the season because of my tommy john mm-hmm. rehab i started out and extended um, which is not where you want to be, right. you know, you want to be playing competitive baseball with crowds and fans and all that. So it's tough at the start. It was really tough at the start of the year mentally to like really kick myself into gear and try and prepare myself for, for later on, because you never know when you're going to get called up mm-hmm. and I'm pitching in an extended that turns into the, F, the Florida complex league. And finally I get a call to go to Charleston and I felt a million pounds of weight fall off my back, just feeling like, okay, I get to play real baseball mm-hmm. now. Um, I get to Charleston. It's an unbelievable atmosphere. I had so much fun there. And then, you know, luckily towards the end of the season, I was throwing really, really well. They were throwing me in really high leverage situations. Numbers wise, I'm throwing well. And I get promoted to Bowling Green. And I go to Bowling Green. I meet Evan, you know, a lot mm-hmm. of good guys there. A lot of guys that are in my draft class are there. And again, I had a lot of fun. We won a championship there, which was a blast. Like I got to throw the last out of that. Um, And it was, it was just fun. And then it's like, because I missed so much early on, once we won, it was like, oh, that was it. Like, you know, a lot of guys are like, oh, thank God. Like the season's over. And I'm like, I want to keep playing. Like this stinks. Like I, you know, I'm, I'm, I want to keep pitching. And then later, you know, they told me I was going to go to the fall league and, I know the honor of being here is, is really cool. And just the experience sure. and the talent is very good here. So I've struggled. I wouldn't say struggled, but I've had some struggles here in the fall league that of course I'm not going to experience at the lower levels that I was at this season. I mean, I went from the lowest you could be at in professional baseball to now one of the highest you can be at. And I've had to learn a lot about myself and how to pitch and how to be successful. So I'm, I'm embracing all of these struggles and, and learning curves and everything because it's, you know, hopefully going into next year, I've learned so much about myself that I can hit the ground running and, yeah. you know, try and make it push as high as possible. You know, of course, the goal is to be in the big leagues tomorrow. And of mm-hmm. course, that's not your decision, but I want to make, I want to do everything that I can and do my due diligence to make sure that I'm put myself in the best position to be in the big leagues as soon as possible. Yeah. So you mentioned like uh, rehabbing from Tommy John. That was, you know, it's like a, what, over a year long rehab uh, and then COVID year. Like how and you talked about mentally being mentally strong. Like how did you like stay mentally strong? And like, do you have any advice for people? Because this could be, you know, used in any yep. walk of life. But like, how did you specifically say like, you know, mentally strong through those trials and stuff? I think this is a really important question for me mm-hmm. specifically to answer to people, because the quick answer is. I wasn't mentally strong, you know, like, and I don't think anybody is like, if you're able to go through all of that craziness in someone's life and just be like straight as an arrow, kudos to you, but yeah, that's not going to happen. In my opinion, there's going to be ups and downs. There's going to be days where there's days where I was crying at home. Like, I, like, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, this is tough. You know, you're going to have the days where you feel great. And there's going to be days where you're like, I don't know if I can do this. Yeah. And it's not about being straight as an arrow and not letting anything affect you and seeing the, you know, seeing the end goal and being perfectly happy. I don't think that's possible. I think it's about 
going with the ups and downs and making sure that you do everything you can to reach that goal. So you experience those lows and you have those people in your corner that can get you through those down points. Mm -hmm. And when you're riding those highs, have fun and enjoy it. Because next thing you know, right over the horizon, there's going to be a hill. Especially with Tommy John, you're going to feel great one day and you're going to feel horrible the next. COVID, all, I mean, with everybody, it's like you could be at the highest point of your life and all of a sudden the season's gone. You know, there goes baseball. Like, yep. How do you mentally deal with that? You have to have people that, you know, truly care for you and are, and are close with you and you can be with and comfort with. And, and that's that would be my biggest advice because I, I don't think that anybody's going to have a straight shot arrow Hey, I'm, I'm having Tommy John in 12 months. I'll be in the big leagues yeah. like that, you know, doesn't happen that way. Wow. Well, thanks for that. Yeah. That's really good advice and stuff. Uh, just being real with everybody. Cause like, I mean, um, like some the easy answer might've been like, you know what it was, you know, I made it through, you know, it is what it is, but like, just, you know, kind of keeping it real. I appreciate that. Uh, two things real quick. I want to talk about first, um, sure. how was the championship? Like obviously you got the last out. Um, Evan was there, I'm assuming, right? In that, yeah, Austin, uh, I'm trying to think who else is, who's been in the pod. Um, a couple of the guys that, that have been in the pod are, are were in that team. Like, how was that celebration? Maybe who got like who got who got after it? Maybe the most, or who's maybe someone who kind of was the more wild one in the bunch. Yeah. So the actual championship celebration, I honestly think wasn't as crazy as the, uh, I guess the semifinal uh, okay. celebration. Is that against because we were at home. Uh, yes, because yeah. we were at home. We won at home, and that was a blast because they brought out, you know, tons of beer and champagne. And we're all part, you know, we're yeah. all having fun at the field, like together there. And everybody, everybody was getting after it there. Uh, and then the problem was, it after the championship, there was a fourteen-hour bus ride uh-huh. on the way back that we had to take. Luckily, I live pretty close to Aberdeen, so I was able to drive myself to the game and go straight home. So I didn't experience the bus ride back, but from what I've heard, it was not enjoyable because everybody's had a lot to drink uh, and now sure. you're on a 14 hour bus yeah. ride on the way home. And, uh, but in terms of winning itself, I, like we talked about in my college experience, like we didn't win any championships and winning is fun. Yeah. Like you, it sucks I just want to win. <laughs> yeah. And I just had a blast. It was awesome that they gave me the opportunity to blast out. Uh, Reifert threw really well in the yeah. seventh and the eighth inning that game, and they called down and they said, "Hey, Menendez in the game." And I was like, "All right, this is where we, fi- uh, you know, I finally get that winning feeling." And when I hit first base, I had a uh, PFP or sorry, ground out to first base. I was running over to first just in case to cover. And when he touched on first base, I just chucked my glove up in the air as high as I possibly could, and I was, you know, what I imagined winning felt like. Yeah. Yeah, like I was watching it because I've had maybe four or five guys. I might be a Rays podcaster now. Like <laughs> I've had a lot of guys in the Rays on uh, for whatever reason. Um, Austin Vernon, he pitched well. Uh, Workman, he's coming on sometime next week, I think. And uh, I mean, he was pitching against Rome that first game. Like he just shoved and like he was yep. he was sick against them. Um, last thing I want to mention is uh, that you have like a, a Discord or like a, a vet. Uh, um, minor leaguers uh like outreach kind of thing or what 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 is that about like i saw that on there i i, I kind of i think i joined the discord um but so what's all that about yeah so i actually have two i would say business ventures one is that it's called athlete access it's a way to connect basically fans and mainly younger youth baseball players mm-hmm. to pro guys and we help 
with actual lessons. So virtual lessons, I have kids that I give virtual lessons to. Uh, we give video feedback, like analyzing your mechanics, your swing, pitching mechanics. And then we basically, I, I code some stuff in my free time. I'm trying to learn some, some different coding stuff. So I coded a lot of stuff on that Discord where basically we pull videos and information from what I think are valuable sources on the internet and we compile it where it's free for people to see. So instead of having to look up, you know, like basically trying to figure out if this is good information or not, like we post information that we think is valuable for people to learn about their pitching mechanics, about baseball knowledge, et cetera. And it's just a platform where players can connect, big uh, professional players can connect with youth players and hopefully bridge that gap a little bit with knowledge. And then the second thing is, I actually just started a glove company uh, where I'm, you know, trying to, again, give a platform, you know, because I, with Rawlings and Wilson, all these big brands, you have these big logos everywhere on the glove, of course, for marketing purposes, but I like to express myself a lot. I started a glove company to allow players to express themselves truly on their gloves by putting, you know, whatever they want on it. If they have a personal brand, if they have uh, a cause that means something important to them, you know, whether it's cancer or, you know, whatever it ends up being, they can present that on the glove and really show themselves without any limitations. Uh, so I started that company as a way to just, again, give players more of a platform to express themselves mm-hmm. and connect back to yeah. younger audiences. That's awesome. And good for you for like finding, you know, different business stuff and try to like, um, grow, grow your own personal brand, which I'm, I'm huge on people just growing their own personal brand and stuff like that. Um, yeah, hopefully all both of those take off and like you do well with that. And obviously you're the fall league, hopefully everything continues to do well. Hopefully you didn't jinx Evan. If he gives up a run like today or tomorrow, I'm going to have to message him and be like, look, you might need a new roommate. <laughs> yeah, I, I may have jinxed him. And it's actually, let me clarify. It's not even a run. He hasn't given up a hit yet. Jeez. So yeah, it's it's been unreal to watch. Yeah, he's nasty. Tell him I said that. <laughs> I will. I will. All right, for sure. All right, Antonio, I appreciate. Do they call you Tony or is it Antonio? Both. Either okay. either works. All right. Well, I appreciate you coming on. Um, we'll have to do this again. Awesome. Thank you. You too. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Check out our great selection of garage and utility lighting options in stock, ready to take home today. We carry everything to help you illuminate whatever project you're working on. Shop garage and utility lighting products in store at your nearest Menards. You can also view all of our entire selection of lighting options today on Menards.com. Save big money at You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.